but it's true. I cannot know how a mother thinks or or what motivates a mother to, to do what she does. I'm a father. I understand my side of the parenting equation better than the mother's side. And if I stop and think about it, I can get a glimpse of what might be running through the minds and hearts of mothers from time to time. Because I can look at that from this position we have as being a team in parenting. Not all mothers have a team. Some of them are doing it by themselves. And my hat's off to you. Single parenting, hardest job on the planet. I can say, though, that I have never heard any mother say any of the following statements. These are ten things no mother, in my experience, would ever say. Number one, how on earth can you see the TV sitting so far back? Do you remember those days when your parents said, you're sitting too close, back up? Here's another one. Number two. Yeah, I I used to skip school a lot too. Mm-hmm. How about this one? Why don't you snack on these M&Ms before supper? <laughs> How about this one? Just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look more cheery. Here you go. Let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. <coughs> or how about this one? Oh, go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed it and clean up after it and walk it every day. How about this one? Well... If Raul's mother says it's okay, that's good enough for me. Or this. The curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison or anything. Or this one, which is particularly appropriate in these days. I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. Or this one, which this this week in particular might have been said maybe for the first time in history. Don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill's bound to improve. Mothers would never say those things, would they? No, they wouldn't. But today is Mother's Day, and we're grateful for each and every one who is a mother. So I want to talk this morning about some aspects of mothering that are universal and unique at the same time. Bill Cosby, remember him when he wasn't in trouble? He once released a comedy album entitled, I Started Out as a Child. Now, I, I can't recall any of the material on that album, but that title along with a pile of lots of other useless information, is locked into my memory. 
I, I think it's there because it, it describes all of us. We all start out as a child. And we all have a mother who gave us birth. For each of us, that journey began from there and the similarities and differences mounted in number. We were all fed, clothed, taught. We all played and laughed and cried. We fell and got hurt learning to run. We jumped and hopped and skipped and we sang and acted and pretended. Differences in our upbringing due to economic and familial support circumstances or lack of them and cultural conditions set our lives on our own path. All you have to do is look at your brothers and sisters and you can see in a heartbeat we are indeed different. Same parents, same environment, different outcomes from similar beginnings. We end in different places. And how much of that is due to the kind of mother we had? It's a good question. So we're going to look at motherhood today through the lens of the three lasting qualities of Christian living that are described for us by Paul at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And they are faith, hope, and love. So we're going to start with faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have a definition of what faith is. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. But I like how Gene Peterson puts it in the message. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Faith is what makes a connection with God even possible. When we receive by faith the gift of salvation... We open up a relationship with the Father God that allows us to have open communication with Him. Allows us to be with Him. To talk to Him. To listen for His voice. To to have His eyes to see. And, And suddenly, when that happens, because of faith... The scenery is different. That walk in the woods is different. We, we appreciated it before, but now we see it different because every one of those things, every tree, every leaf, every cloud, every blade of grass, every flower, every bee, every stream, every lake, everything is pointing us to God, the Creator. The father. When a mother has a a relationship like that with him, she understands that importance. And she begins from the moment that she realizes that she's carrying a new life to petition heaven 
but to petition heaven on behalf of the child that's growing within her. Author Boyd Bailey writes this about a praying mother. A mother who prays causes Satan to shudder and his demons to take notice. It's her steady stream of supplications to her Savior, to Jesus, that garners the attention of God. Dad may not even be around, but her Heavenly Father is there for wisdom and encouragement. She knows the Lord understands. So she seeks Him for grace and comfort. The prayer of a mom punctures the portals of heaven with passionate petitions that provide her peace. That is a lot of P words. <laughs> Let me read that to you again. The prayer of a mom punctures the portals of heaven with passionate petitions that provide her peace. Think about how you acted as a child. Think about what your mother might have prayed because of those actions. And you wonder where her calmness came from, where her peace came from. That last statement has a lot to do with that. Let's go on. A mother's prayers mark her family with faith and trust in God. Her overflow of mercy and grace is a reminder that Jesus is the author and finisher of the family's faith. The fruit from her prayers personify Christ's character and hell clamors at the calm requests from a mom who trusts God. They pray for their children to obey and worship the Lord and for their husband to fear God, hate sin, and love people. A mom's prayer matters. If we all were as fortunate as, as Kevin to have a mom that prayed and taught us those things, we would understand the impact of this evaluation of a praying mother by Boyd Bailey. Indeed, a wise mother's first concern is prayer in Jesus' name. So many of us as parents evaluate our success by watching how our kids turn out. That's logical, right? I mean, if you bake a cake, you put the mix in and everything together, you put it in the oven, and if you did everything right, you can judge that by how the cake turns out. The cakes don't have free will. 
they raise because the temperature and everything else that's going on in the oven and all the ingredients come together to make that happen. And as parents, even though we feel that responsibility, we are not responsible for how they turn out. Because at some point, the choices that determine their path become their choices. And the consequences of those choices are theirs to bear. Logically, that makes sense. And it's true. But parents never stop hoping for the best for their children. And they do their best to live out and teach them what they should. The scriptures say in Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Peterson says that verse this way. Point your kids in the right direction. And when they're old, they won't be lost. That's tough. It's tough to just point them that way and tell them what we know is true. And, and you know, those lessons of life that come our way through experience are hard to pass on to someone that hasn't been alive long enough to have that experience. I remember that phase in my life when I knew more than my parents knew. Maybe you had one of those too. The truth is, from an experiential standpoint, we probably do know more than our parents do. That doesn't apply today when it comes to technology because that thing is changing so fast the kids are somehow able to keep up with it better than us. But when it comes to making good choices, to looking at what the, the consequences of those choices are going to be, we do see better. We've learned some lessons along the way. We've fallen, we've been bruised, we've gotten up. And someone said one time, the best learning is to learn from someone else's mistakes. It's also the hardest learning. All of the instruction of God's word can be boiled down into two commandments. Jesus explained those to a young man who asked him about them in Matthew 26, verses 36 to 40. They come out to be this way. You can say them in five words. Love God and love others. That's it. The importance of knowing all of the commands of God those commands for living, that importance was emphasized by Moses when he wrote these words about how those commands should be taught and modeled. And again, I'm going to read from the message. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. And then, Get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are. 
sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. Sounds to me like like God really wanted those things to, to permeate our life. He, if something's tied onto you, you can't get away from it. If something's in your heart, it goes where you go. If God wanted those things to be that close to us all the time, they must have been pretty important. They must have been very important. Children do not automatically learn about God. It's something that they are taught, but it's something that has to be caught as well. And praying mothers make that difference happen. Praying mothers beget praying children. Faithfulness breeds faithfulness. Let's go on to hope. Later in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a verse that I think is a bridge that connects faith to hope. You might not think so at first, but hear me out. It's verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Faith, it says that right at the beginning of that verse, by faith, Faith gives us hope as we see potential in our children. Moses' parents, by faith, saw that he was no ordinary child. We cannot know what it was about Moses that, that set him apart in the eyes of his parents. But I suspect that there was some inner confidence that they had that God had destined this son of theirs for something great. God has such a plan for all of our children. They won't all be Moses's. But he alone knows the things that they were made for. The things that will stir their hearts the things that will will give life a meaning for them. Hannah, childless, apparently barren, prayed diligently for years that she might have a child. And God honored her prayer. She became a mother. The mother of the prophet Samuel And she, too, like Moses' parents, saw that her son was to be used mightily by the Lord. And when she brought him to the temple, 
where she had gone and prayed years before, she said this to Eli. I prayed for this child and God gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He is dedicated to God for life. And then and there, they worshiped God. We've all brought our children to church for times of dedication or in some churches for baptism. Look at that line. I have dedicated him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. Now, is that a guarantee that that will happen or that it will happen in the way that we want it to happen? Certainly not. Samuel had free will just like all of us do. But he did give his life to the Lord and lived in the temple and learned and served God throughout his life. Why? Because his mother prayed. Because his mother believed. Because what she had with faith became hope. Hope is what carries us through rough times. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes these words. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know, there's that experience part, that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Every mother and every father wants to give their child something to hold on to, something that is good and solid and worth holding on to. Parents want their children to have good character, to be known as people who won't give up when things go sideways, as people who can be trusted, as people who are people of integrity. So when suffering comes, in whatever form that happens, our hope is the pipeline through which the Holy Spirit sustains us through that struggle. Our hope becomes the lens to help us see the light at the end of the tunnel. Prayer, again, becomes our first course of action. And it is hope that keeps us going back in prayer. In that sense, hope builds our faith. No mother or father ever wanted anything but the best for their children. And the best things 
are to follow hard after God. Loving Him and obeying Him and then loving others. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, he wrote these words. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Endurance is something that a lot of people are struggling with today. Can I stay in this house any longer? Is there anything worth watching on TV? And they begin to lose hope because they don't have a lens to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Psalm 25, 5. Do I put this in? Yes. Guide me in your truth, the psalmist says, and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. You see, hope keeps us going. Hope that we learn to have from faith and through prayer. A praying parent shows us that way. And why do they do that? Because our parents love us. They don't always love us well. And they don't always show that in the best way, but they love us. And that brings us to love. It's no secret, whoops, that mothers and fathers are different in their interactions with children. Both seek the best for their child, but their approach and areas of sensitivity are different. For example, one of our sons fell off a sliding board and broke his arm his mother was very kind and empathetic and sympathetic his dad said get in the car (laughs) I mean we're different we don't do things the same way but our influence on those kids is powerful we know that, that mothers are generally more relational, or at least they try to be. Fathers are generally more analytical. So it stands to reason that a mother's love will be different from that of a father. Yet, our Heavenly Father is a perfect expression of perfect love because He is perfect. Boyd Bailey, again writing, this time about the love of a mother. 
A mother's love reflects the love of the Lord deep in its capacity and generous in its application. She awakes in the middle of the night to nurse a hungry infant or care for a sick child. Her intuition injects love at points of pain. And in situations that require extensive encouragement, a mother's love lingers long. In conversation and understands with her sensitive heart. She loves because Christ's love compels her to love like him. Do mothers ever mess mess up? Absolutely. Could they love better in certain circumstances? Absolutely. But the motivation for the kind of love mothers show comes as an emulation of the love that God shows toward us. Bailey goes on to say this. Moreover, a mother's love is loyal and understanding. A child may be in trouble, but mom is always close by, full of compassion and acceptance. When when I was younger, I'm going to pause here for just a second. When I was younger, if you got in trouble at school... You were in trouble at home unless the school didn't tell you, your parents. But now, if a, if a young person, if a student is pulled into the office, and believe me, I've seen many of these situations, parents will come in and the loyalty that that mother and father have for that kid sometimes overwhelms the facts. When I think about uh, describing a mother who is fierce in defending her child, the phrase mother bear comes to mind. Maybe you've heard it or used it. Why don't we think about father bear? Because there's something in mothers that determines that they're going to protect that offspring at whatever cost is necessary. Sometimes that causes them to make great decisions and sometimes not so much. We see mothers that are in trouble because they tried to find a way to get their kids into good schools well-meaning, but not a good decision. Let's go on with this reading. Her love can be blind in its loyalty, but her offspring never doubt where they are welcome. Jesus was rejected by angry, jealous men and abandoned by his closest friends. But his mother was awaiting with him to the bitter end. 
near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. John writes in chapter 19. And Bailey goes on to describe another motherly phenomenon that many people have experienced. There's a part to mothering that that reaches beyond our nuclear families. And it happens to other people, whether they're teachers or workers or neighbors or friends. Even people with no children of their own have known this experience to happen. A mother's love even has the capacity to be a mother to those who are not biologically her own. Amazingly, she can informally adopt people for a season and love on them emotionally, physically, spiritually, and relationally. I'm going to press pause again and and say this. I know many friends. I, I I have a good friend who wrote a birthday wish to uh, one of my students <clears throat> that she had an opportunity to spend time with. And this woman is a wonderful person, but she's unmarried and has no children. And yet she referred to this student as her adopted Boston daughter. And that stopped me when I read it. And I understood. There are many people who have never experienced what it's like to be a mother and, and who's, because of that, today is a hard day for them in some ways. But for some who have invested in the lives of other people, those are the, their kids. Those become their children, whether it's a neighbor boy or, or somebody from that's in need that, that they've taken an interest in. Teachers do that. Youth leaders do that. We do that. It's an ability that God has given us. She opens her home, shares her food, gives her time, dispenses her wisdom, and encourages obedience to follow Christ. Paul experienced this. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother who has been a mother to me too. I had no idea that was even in the scripture, but I looked it up in Romans 16, 13. There it is. You see, moms sometimes mother greatness, not their own. Consider the mother of Jesus, Mary. Rachel Faulkner Brown wrote that Mary's love for Jesus is a window we can look through 
to gaze on how we can love Jesus. Mary's love for Jesus is a window we can look through to gaze on how we can love Jesus. A gaze is, a, is different from a look. It's different from a glance. A gaze is intentional and it's long and it makes you think. Rachel Brown imagines Mary reflecting on this very idea as she imagined a letter written by Mary to her son. I want to invite you to to just close your eyes now and imagine that you were Mary writing about your experience to Jesus, your son. And just listen as you might have chosen to write some of these thoughts. My beloved Yeshua, I came back to the garden today and prayed for you while I was here. I wanted to reflect on your life and tell you a few things before I forget. I wanted to get a few things written down so you will remember and so you will have a written record of my love for you. I want to remind you and remember with you. When Gabriel came to me that day when I was 14, I could have never imagined this life. I was playing with friends and enjoying life as a young woman until everything changed. My days with you have been beautifully hard, as it is a bit unique to parent the son of Yahweh himself. To say we have had an unusual life might be the understatement of the century. That day that John declared, Behold the Lamb of God, I could have never dreamed what he really meant. All the years of buying a Paschal lamb, and you always knew you were going to be the final lamb ever sacrificed. Yeshua, the day we lost you in the caravan, I knew we would never forget that day. To watch you question and discuss with the rabbis and scholars at age 12 was unbelievable. You were our son. But your life was so set apart. It was clear that your understanding of the scriptures was not like ours. We were so upset and devastated that we lost you. But to find you teaching was so confounding. I'm your mom. So watching you do something so beyond your years was so hard to understand. Even though I lived with you and birthed you, I hated that day because I felt so helpless when you were lost. But I loved finding you in your father's house. You most definitely belonged there. Watching you grow into a young man, we saw things that others will never know or see. We can always hide those treasures in our heart when we miss you here. To watch you step out at the wedding of our friend in Cana 
and perform your first miracle was probably one of my favorite nights of your entire life. Your daddy Joseph would have been so proud. I'll admit, it has not been easy to let you go into the fulfillment of your calling here. That wedding was my favorite night. You listened to my cries to help this pitiful family who ran out of wine. I saw my boy in action. To watch your child do what they were born to do is the greatest event to witness. You were so calm, and yet you and I both knew that night was a turning point for you and for me. My heart explodes thinking about watching you perform miracles. You were born for a lot of things, but that night was just the beginning of what you and Yahweh had always planned. To say that I'm still scarred by the events after the Passover does not even touch my emotion. Yeshua, the trial, the beating, the walking up the hill with that tree, that was all so brutal for you, and I've never ever wanted the pain to be on me more. Even as a child, when you would fall down, I wanted to fix it. And that day, it was on an exponential scale. The hours you hung dying, I truly begged God to take me instead. Just to make it stop for you was all I wanted. The darkness was not just dark. It was like the light in my life was gone. You, my baby boy, were gone and I was left alone. You charged John to care for me, but all I wanted to do was to care for you. My boy, your time in the grave was the darkest sorrow I have ever known. To lose a child must be the greatest pain a human can ever face. But somehow I had missed, even though you probably told me, that you would return. Although you raised Lazarus, no one else had ever come back from the dead without you there. So, of course, your death was brutally final to all of us. Yes, your miraculous return was unreal, and my heart almost cannot even take it in even now. You, my son, are my beloved, and I am so proud of you. I cannot believe I get to be your mother. I cannot believe Abba chose me. I cannot believe you are my Messiah, my son. You are the Lamb of God. I get it. My son, you are my savior. Love you forever. Ema. That's the gamut of emotions, isn't it? Now, we don't know if Mary actually would have thought those things but as we have the opportunity to reflect upon Jesus life we can imagine that a mother would have said those would have cried at the brokenness would have been frustrated at the losing of her child at, at age 12 
but would have had the discernment to see God in him, and to see that he was God. So what does all, all of that mean for us today? Well, do we have faith to believe that God will call your child, our child, and draw them closer to him? Helen Keller said that faith is the strength by which a shattered world shall emerge into the light. Are we praying for our children by name each day? Do we lift to God each of their unique needs? And are we praying as well for our spouse? For their submission to the accountability of the Almighty God? Are we praying that as parents we would both be an example to the younger ones in our life that we influence our children first and foremost. Do we have hope for the future of our child? This is not wishful thinking. This is true hope. By asking God to place His hand of direction and his hand of protection on them. Asking him to lead them toward the unique purpose that he has created them for. Sometimes that leading doesn't seem to be under the umbrella of protection. As God lets our children stumble into places we wish they wouldn't go. But he is God. And he is good. And if we pointed our children toward him, it gives him the opportunity to be at work in their hearts and minds. So that no matter what kind of pit they dig, one day he can pull them out. And finally, the we do our best to love them unconditionally. To extend grace and mercy instead of harsh judgment. To carry out appropriate discipline when it's needed. And sometimes to ask them for forgiveness for ourselves when our reactions to situations have been out of balance and bring us dangerously close to crushing their spirit. Today's a day to think about all of those things. Today's a day to decide that we want to live with the faith and hope and love that comes from God and that God wants us to demonstrate. You guys can head back up here. <clears throat> by being intentional, by purposing ourselves 
to model the love of God to others, we begin. But we will have to rely on His Spirit and not on our own determination or our own ingenuity or our own strength. Let us set our gaze on Jesus so that we live lives of faith and hope looking forward and knowing that God is on our side and that He loves us completely. Today we should take the time and make an opportunity to reach out to our own mothers to thank them for loving us in the ways that they did even if they were not always the best at doing it the way God would have liked. We should also stop today and and consider our children whether they're near or far and give some thought to communicating with them about the joys and the challenges of that part of our life adventure together. Perhaps forgiveness needs to be extended or received. Our past is past, but we can learn from it. And we have the freedom to change our course and move ahead with our life so that someday we might be able to say, as Paul did in his second letter to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. To our mothers, we honor you today. and Thank you and bless you. And to God who has made it all possible from our very conception to our birth and to this moment, we say thank you. We love you. We need you. Be with us and continue to guide us and bless us.